Hi Ashley, how are you doing today? Ah, hello Steph. I'm doing well. I, gosh, I am super excited for this next guest that we have on today. Also, that was really rude of me. I'm sorry. How are you doing today, Steph? Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I am good. Again, very energized. I think uh, I've loved our conversations and I can't wait for this one today. So really excited to hear what, what happens. Yeah, so today's guest is Rudo Nando. And I have to tell you a story about this. Rudo and I met really randomly over a Zoom call. And it was one of those things where I was probably blathering on about something for ages. And Rudo had, like just kept asking me questions. And then like somebody else started speaking. And then we immediately started this like private chat between each other of like, oh my God, you're so cool. No, oh my God, you're so cool. And then like I did some cyber stalking and Rudo really is just so cool. I mean, she does so many things. And yeah, and I'm just, I'm super excited, super excited to have her on the podcast today because she's, she's just such a, a breath of fresh air. I mean, she's just a, an amazing little ray of sunshine and I can't wait for you to meet her. Welcome everyone to Curious About Creativity. Today we're going to be interviewing Rudo Nando. Rudo is a fashion and product designer based in Zimbabwe, and she is currently the country coordinator for Fashion Revolution Zimbabwe. Um, she's also part of a number of different collectives, and she does a lot of community development through artist-led design and creatively empowering women through storytelling and their different creative crafts. So welcome today, Rudo. Thank you so much, ladies. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to get on here and chat with us about creativity. Do you want to just tell people a little bit more about some of the stuff that you do? Well, so I'm a creative uh, design practitioner. Decided to use that title because I figured that, you know, I was dabbling in fashion, dabbling in products, <laughs> dabbling in social enterprises. I work mainly with women in rural and peri-urban communities. I've worked with women in, co uh, in communities in Zimbabwe, in the south of the country, as well as in the north. And I've also worked with uh, women in Eswatini, formerly Swaziland. I started in the creative design space as a fashion designer but was led more to community work, you know, just as I was working with more and more women within within my community I actually just felt a pull to just you know finding more communities and more women that's what's now led me to product development and product design with artisans in um, rural communities and most recently in peri-urban communities. Yeah I think there's something that you said that I, I just absolutely loved which I think so many creatives can relate to which is you sort of had to play with the language a bit of like being a creative design practitioner or I can't remember exactly the wording that you use but but it was one of those things where you're like creativity and the way in which I express and develop my own creativity is through a number of different mediums and so that's why you had to choose that language welcome to the creative life like that was it because I'd look <laughs> at my cv and I'd be like I, I just look very confused right now but it's all making sense it's all making sense and it's all leading to something right 
But when you actually look at it, I think it is something that we definitely need within the creative space is to start looking at ourselves as specialists, as practitioners. Because of the work that we do, you'll find um, in the community that I work with or the community that I've grown up with, people refer to every creative practice as art. And they'll be like, oh, you people that just work in art <laughs> and that just do art. And I'm like, guys, this is, it's not even a nine to five. Like sometimes it's a nine to midnight job, you know, working in art. Um, but it's also a job that, um, or it's a space where I found more than anything, it contributes to our local economies. More than anything is what is actually sustaining a lot of, um, a lot of households, especially the low income households. And more than anything, if we look into our houses, we wear art, we live art, you know, we see art, but no one really sits down and thinks, okay, someone got down and did this, or this is, you know, someone has had to go to school to do this. Uh, so that's why I had to, yeah, not had to use that term, but I was like, I am going to call myself a practitioner. That is what I am. <laughs> and I am working in this space and I'm going to own the space and everything else um that comes within the space including community engagement including addressing social issues including innovation because this is all part of what we do I love that and I also really love the in yeah, inclusion of community in your practice because I think yeah being creative in community is so important and like you said it's almost like you've been able to help other people understand what creativity is and design is um, in a different way from kind of collaborating with other people as well I mean, how do you have those conversations with people in your community about creativity? Oh, <laughs> where do I start? Um, do you know what? It's about living and owning what you do. I always start, I started within the urban community. So I used to work from Harare. I was a creative, a fashion designer, but it was just in Zimbabwe, fashion design is cut and sew, right? So it's when you're now sitting and working with the seamstresses, because I've been working with the seamstresses, uh, or with seamstresses, sorry, since I started. And it's about saying to them, do you realize that what we're doing is not just cutting and sewing? What you're doing is you're adding something, you know, to someone's life, because I also believe in clothing with purpose. So every time we get a wedding order, every time we get a celebration order, I'd be like, this is going to be part of someone's life, part of someone's photos, you know, for a lifetime. So this is creativity, but it was just noted as, you know, we're just coming to work. We're just putting the pattern together. We're just sewing. When I started going into the communities, the rural communities and finding the different methods and designs in basketry, I actually started um, within basket weaving communities. I then started realizing that every basket was belonging to a certain area and each community added their own touch to that and that's when I was like oh my gosh this is not only creativity but you guys are telling the story so now if someone walks into my house and they're like oh I love that basket I'll be like that is from Bulawayo and it is made by this community and they specialize in this the ones that I know are very popular are the bingo baskets and, you know, someone will be like, oh, I love that. And I'm like, yeah, that is from Binga. It is made by Tonga artisans. So that's when you start seeing that we, we do things um, usually because they're also transgenerational. Uh, they pass down through generations. But you're not also realizing that you're passing down stories as you are making those things, as you are teaching 
um, your children as you're teaching other people in the community. So that is the long and short of how I've come to talk about creativity or even mention that within the communities where, you know, we're like, this is not just a product. It is a product that has come from your hands. What is your story? Because as you're applying your hands into that product, you're applying your whole entire self and being into it. So you'll find also where it ends up. People are connecting. And I've tried this um, you know, with an exhibition I had and people would walk up and be like, I love that dress. And I'd be like, if you knew who made this and who this was about, you would be so shocked in how similar they are to you. So there is a connection with the pieces that we make. That is so beautiful. Also, I, I mean, I think, I think we've had a few conversations about how like I'm sort of obsessed with story and storytelling and stuff like that. So the second that you're talking about how like just the the effort that people put into, you know, making a basket or whatever, they bring them whole cell, their whole selves into it that just, God, it lights my fire. Like, I just love it so much. Oh, okay. And um, I think that's a really good segue to get into our first question that we have for you. So when did you realize that you were creative or that creativity was going to be a major part of your life? <laughs> this is so funny. Oh my gosh. So it's been in me as a child. I was that outlier um, that would be quite happily working inside the house in isolation whilst everyone was playing in the sun, painting. So I would say I realized from an early age, but just wasn't able to express it, though those around me could see it. Because, you know, now looking back um, decades, I would say 20, 30 years, I used to get things like stamp sets and paint sets and little creative sets, you know, as Christmas presents and birthday presents. Well, you know, the boys got remote control cars. I didn't have a Barbie. I would get art sets. And it's only, um, was it about, I'd say five years ago, I was talking to an aunt and she was like, oh, you know, we always knew this was in you. That's why we used to buy you these things. And I was like, wow, guys. So why was it so hard to divert? <laughs> You know, um, because I went through the, uh, it was a very strict education system in Zimbabwe, um, English based as well. And, you know, our parents had definite pathways. You were going to be an accountant, you were going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. That is the only thing that was allowed. And I knew, but I found ways to create. So you'll find I had this conversation with my dad at age 15 and it's time to choose you know your GCSE pathways and I was like right I want to do art and he was like art like what are you going to do with that why don't you follow the accounting path and I was like okay listen um what can I do he's like well you like to cook so why don't you go and do food and nutrition I was like okay I can do that but I really want to do art right and he's kind of like I'm not paying fees for you to do art <laughs> so that's where I came from and had to kind of write it out and I would say followed the path that was expected. But at age 26, 26 years old, the day before my birthday, I was like, no, this is not happening. What is my, what is my purpose? What is, what is it that I was created to do? And I am open to walking that journey. I kid you not, um, within the next three years, I'd actually started a fashion brand. Um, coming straight out of a nine to five job, which I was like, okay, thank you very much. I'll take my last salary. 
and let's see how we're going to make this work. And just seeing the progress, it's been about eight years now, oh, giving away my age, but anyway, um, <laughs> just seeing the progress from then up to now, I'm just seeing that it was always in me because now I can add, I had to do the practical things, which is I'll make clothes and I'll sell clothes. But then even then, after about two years of doing that, I was like, no, this is still not it. What is it? And now I'm doing what I love. I've got my crayons out. I've got my pencils out and we are making products. I'm making things. So something that they were cultivating and nurturing within me from a young age has started to come out now. I think it's really interesting. And I think it takes a lot of bravery and courage to, to first of all, have this sort of self-reflection that you had, I think is the day before your birthday at age 26, when you were just like, this is not what I'm put on this earth to do. And then also that, that sort of, again, I think it, I think it comes down to just like really full courage of being like, right. So what am I meant to do? And then having the openness to go on that journey of possibly failing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've just got the shivers and the chills when you talk about failing. <laughs> you know, it hasn't, it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy. Um, you know, if I can tell you the first stall, market stall I ever had, it was just, it was, it was shambles. <laughs> it, was it was a whole mess. And I was like, what is this? When I look back, I'm what was I doing? But you know what? I had to start somewhere. And what I loved is as much as there was the pullback, there was always someone on hand. So my mother lives in a different um, city to me. She would always be there for, let's say, Fashion Week, um, a market. She would be there as in within the vicinity, even if it's that she's at home, making sure that when I come home, there's a meal or whether it's, oh, my mom is like, you know, so nitpicky. She'd be like, we need to press and repress these clothes. She would do that, but she would come to everything. I have a brother who would be like, what are you doing? This is not contributing to the household, but he would drive me everywhere. He would bring his friends. They would de-rig. They would do everything. They would set up. They would take down. So the support was there. At that time, it felt like I am just going at this alone. I've had many moments where I've been like, can I just dig a hole and just stay in that hole and can nobody find me? Because it has been so messy at times, so messy. I've had clothing pieces fall apart, disappointed clients along the way. I have had art pieces done. You know, when you buy in, you start to work with the community and you get the community buy-in. And then all of a sudden your product falls to pieces or it takes six months to sell. And they're like, so why did you come and disrupt our lives? And just now reassuring and just saying, guys, let's just keep pushing. So it's been tough. But when you see the product that has come out at the end, just out of sheer perseverance, belief and trust. Oh my gosh, I'm in tears when I'm like, look at what you have done, ladies. And now I can leave you, um, you know, to go and start this on your own, but not saying that there won't be failures. I'm not saying that there won't be glitches. I've had our currency system change about four times since I've been in business. So those things come, those things happen. But the key is, okay, this is what it is. Take it in. This is how I'm going to navigate. Two things have stood out to me so far. The first one is um, you having that dialogue of being able to express 
yourself, right? Of being able to express yourself through products and also through failure in an, in, in an instance, like how to like express yourself when things are falling apart and then finding the, I don't know, power, the support, the perseverance to stand back up and be like, right, let's try again. Let's do this again and do figure know? out where we went wrong. It's community, Ashley and Steph. It's really to do with community. Um, there are times where at my lowest, um, because I've had times where there's a season I call the scrambled eggs and toast season, <laughs> where it was all about scrambled eggs and toast. Um, and there are times where I'm like, okay, this is it. But because I've made a commitment, I've made a commitment through my work with Fashion Revolution, right? My commitment is to improve the, the, the design sphere to improve the way that we're doing things. I've made that commitment, not only to myself, to Fashion Revolution and to the designers that I'm answerable to and accountable to, I need to get up. Because I have bought some, a grown woman with children out of her house and she has bought into this project. And I've said, this is what we're gonna do. I need to get up. So when you have community and community that you're accountable to, even in the lowest of lows, it is them that then wake you up. You wake up and you're like, you know what? I need to come. And slowly but surely you start to get there. It's like an acceleration. It's a slow acceleration. And you're like, okay, we're here, um, but we need to keep going. So I honestly owe it to the community around me because there are times where I've just been like, right, this is it. I'm going to apply for admin positions and I am good. I will transcribe. I'll do whatever I need to do, but don't give me another product to work with. But then I always remember my community and what I have stood up and said that I would do. And I also wanted to ask you a little bit more, Rudo, about how do you see creativity in your role within that, within the community as well? I have found myself to be a connector. Um, this is a word that I'm not, <laughs> not taking and owning because I, I find my role is to provide platforms and opportunities, right? Um, and this could be for further work or for networking or for communication. So my main role within this ecosystem is to connect. My main role is to just bring out, I suppose just like I was brought out of, it wasn't a bad space, but I was brought out of like murky water. So it's then to like bring the beauty bring the clarity out that is what my role is and to just support um i am one call away one email away and i'm always there to support that 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 is my main role within this i believe as well in every project that i take that the community ends up taking ownership of the project just even from you know fashion to product design when i started i had a clothing brand but if someone calls and says, hey, I'm looking for a seamstress, I won't be like, no, I'm going to hide mine just in case I come back. I'll just be like, listen, call this lady. She will do what you want, what you want her to do. This is how she works. Just go and form your own relationship. And, you know, that way the ecosystem does keep feeding. Um, not to be doom and gloomy, but I'm always like anything can happen, guys, at any time. So I don't want to... I don't want to leave or not be available or to just disappear with what I know. I want to pass it on. And I'm hoping that those that I'm passing the knowledge on to are also able to pass it on as well. Do you think that you have sort of 
built this sort of atmosphere of collaboration within the communities that you're a part of? I, I think I have. Um, I would like to say that I have because a lot of them do end up functioning even without me. Um, I'm just currently, I'd say, weaning off a new, you know, my latest community. And they're like, we need you. I was like, no, you don't. I'm not thinking, but you can do this. <laughs> what do you need me for? You can do this. So they know, like, I'm just like, come on, ladies, you know the systems that are in place. You know what you have to do call me when you really really need me but for now mm -mm. <laughs> let's keep going you know what I mean you've got the access to markets you've got the access to materials you've got each other so I do believe that the communities do keep thriving it's always tough um, leaving a community or walking away from a project um, knowing that my time is done and I think I've also been able to pick that out as well to know that when I'm working with some communities it's for a season and just being able to highlight that at the very beginning that this is just for a season, this is what um, I'm here to do. And will you have me? And how can we work together knowing that at the end of the season, as painful as it is, I'm going to need to go and you guys will need to grow as well. It's really interesting. Um, I do a lot of work around grief and loss and creativity. And I was thinking a lot while you were talking there about actually, you know, that that loss might well be very painful for you as a practitioner, but also the communities that you are working with. And it's really amazing to hear that, you know, you're bringing that in very, from the very start. So people are aware about it. And how do you how do you cope with the kind of the loss um, aspect of that as well in terms of your own creativity? it's been tough hey um I think I've got better coping mechanisms um because I feel when 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 something finishes I'm like wow wow um I used to just go pretty much comatose and sleep for a whole week and be like okay it's time to get up but I when I started realizing that it is for a season and understanding the purpose of that season it actually got better and better and I would say now I already know and I can, you know, I start to feel and we start to talk about it that, guys, this is now time for the handover. This is now time. I start slowly um, walking away, slowly walking away. I think it prepares me mentally. It prepares the artisans. It prepares the community as well. But um, in the last two projects, I'd say two projects, sorry, I'd say I really, really miss everyone, but I don't get as sad as I used to before. And we always celebrate the wins. And what I found now as well is the need to also stay in touch, not more so in a, uh, okay, tell me every little bit that you're doing, but check-ins. Check-ins are very, very important. And that's how I've been able to deal with that as well. I've been talking with its designers, with its artisans, just random check-ins, just to say, hey, how's life? How are the children? Because when you go in, you not only are working with the individuals, you're becoming a part of their families as well. There's the one artisan where I was like, I think your husband doesn't like me right now because I'd be like calling and he'd be like, is, is that Rudo again? <laughs> and she'd be like, yes. Then another artisan phone the other day, she's like, my daughter's asking about you. I was like, oh my God. So, you know, it's then realizing that um, now when I check in, it's not necessarily um, in your business, but how's the family doing? How are you doing? And just building that relationship from there. Amazing. It's so funny. Like some of the things that you're talking about makes me reminiscent of 
my own journey because I, I started in theater and I remember as a child doing loads of different shows and then after the show would end or whatever, my I would get really sad. And my dad had to articulate to me of like, yeah, you have, this is what's called post-show blues. Like after you finish a show and you're not seeing the same people every day and doing the same thing, but like, you're going to get sad about it. And it's really interesting to hear how you, it's not that you stop having the relationship with those people. It's that you help to redefine your relationship along the way. Again, it's about having that sort of like emotional intelligence and language so that you can keep doing what you're doing, but still taking care of yourself. Because I think that's another aspect of creativity that we don't always think about, right? It's like, how can I take care of myself during this process? Like mentally, physically, all that sort of stuff. How do you take care of yourself during this process? Sorry, these are like, you just inspire really, like really intense questions. I'm sorry. I'm like, do not judge me. Is chocolate an answer? No, that's not a good one. It's definitely an answer. It's definitely Absolutely. An answer. <laughs> Don't we all? all done it? <laughs> Just for when I am calling for some Cadbury's bubbly and some Mentos that, you know, things are a little bit, <laughs> bit afraid. I'm like, I need a bubbly. I need a bubbly. But anyway, um, there's a promo for Cadbury's. But anyway, um, I, I'm very grounded. So... I'm a Christian, so I always go back to God. Mm. And that's how I take care of myself um, when I feel that I'm not in control. Because also with this process, right, you're not always in control. I have to go back and I have to go back and say, right, what is my purpose? What is my plan and what am I doing? That's how I take care of myself in that aspect. In some really healthy months um when it's not winter I do go walking Uh, I love to walk just the other day you know I was inviting a friend to walk I was like yeah it'll be 12 uh 12k and she's like 12k or 12 minutes I was like 12k (laughs) she's like why are we walking for 12k and I'm like this is how I start to download because I walk And as I walk, I take in the environment. I take in where I am. So that keeps me grounded. Definitely staying grounded in faith, staying grounded in exercise and, you know, a bit of cocoa here and there. How have you seen creativity make positive changes in your life and the life of others? Wow. Um... In my life, it has opened me up. Um, I'm, I'm confident now. Like, you know, I, can I, have you ever heard that statement? Like, my life is full. Like, there are times that I sit and I'm just like, my heart is so full right now. So that is what creativity has done for my life. I believe I am living a full life. I just get moments of just absolute joy and peace. And I'm like, what? This is not me. Where did this come from and what is going on? But it's because I am pouring out and living my best life. It is not practical um, at times when people are like, how are you affording to do this? And I'm like, somehow, literally, I do live a very full life. I have so much peace. So just following this journey of creativity has allowed me to find that balance. It's not your standard balance in material objects, material things. It's just a very full laugh out loud 
cry hard and just experience and enjoy every moment. That is what creativity has done for me. For those around me, I'd like to say that it's life as well. Like I just had a call the other day and one of the ladies was like, we love you. My name means love. And she was like, oh my gosh, like you're living out your name. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I hope, I hope that you'll be doing that too, you know. So I would say my impact to communities is just bringing that other lease of life. And when you create, you can make anything. So I think it's just that escapism as well. And knowing that, you know what, I'm in this space, I'm using my hands. And I'm just doing what I was made to do. And I just love doing this. So I would say for the communities, it's just another lease of life. I think there's like a Bible verse, like our cup runneth over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, but it does. And it's just, it's just really nice to hear. Cause I think a lot of times, I think all three of us have been in the category of being the creative where you're in isolation or you're overwhelmed or you're whatever. And I think that it's nice for us to all acknowledge the, the flip side of that, of like, sometimes there's risk that you're going to be stranded on your own with fashion particles just falling apart as people are walking down like the street or whatever. And you're like, oh crap. But then on the other side of it, there's this, there's like, I've like this thing that I put my heart and soul into is now out in the world. And it doesn't, sometimes feels almost dreamlike in a sense. That, that's it. You find yourself just sitting there thinking, oh, wow <laughs> you know and you're like is this the reality and then you know reality hits when someone's like hey yeah so about that payment you're like hold on hold on can I just enjoy <laughs> it's an important point to make but as artists we don't always feel like that I think sometimes you will sometimes you get caught up in that don't you as and you think maybe I should be feeling like this all the time but it's you yeah. know it's these little moments isn't it like you say reading it's so beautiful like so inspirational how you've described it like your life is full and I can really resonate with being in moments where you just feel that it's really right whatever's going on and it's so alive isn't it it's so present in the moment like almost things slow down like you get a rush of feelings it is it's such a privilege actually to be able to connect to that and I'm yeah I just I hope that um lots of people can find a way to connect into that as well no I, I hope so I, I think that is the one confirmation where I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. It might not be making total sense, but I am on the right path. It's such a fine, it's a fine balance. If I can even, you know, tell you guys just now I was working on an order at a client that waited five years for a certain linen and it came and then, you know, my seamstress redesigned it and I was like, oh, breathe why did you do that that is the real that is my reality sometimes I'm like okay breathe now I need to do this but you then come back into you know what let's just continue because another thing as well within our industry is yes we need the healthy balance but then there's also the financial and the economic balance in what we're doing and our jobs are not conventional and it's always hard to curate what to, you know, what you do or to explain it. Um, I've just always look at my CV and think every position does have the skills that are applicable across the board. Um, but the moment pe people see art or fashion or product or artisans, they kind of switch out. So now it's just, I think for creatives as well, for us, is then highlighting what we do, the skills that we have. 
because they are skills that are transferable across the board. And I think a lot of people forget that like us as creatives, like we're, we're innate problem solvers, right? Like we immediately are like, we solve problems, we solve them in creative ways. They might not be the most, you know, easy way to solve a problem, but we always find ways to get from point A to point B or whatever that, whatever the situation is. But yeah, I think it's something that we also have to talk about of like, yeah, we, we can go into the marketplace and into, you know, the financial sector or, or wherever we need to be in order to make our ends meet and to pay our bills and stuff like that. But that's not, that's not what we were called here to do. And financial institutions don't always get that, which is really frustrating. Do you know what's interesting? You've just reminded me as you're thinking, I was like, it's like how we can work Excel spreadsheets, we can work budgets, we can allocate tasks, we can manage relationships and communities, we can, we can impart so many skills. There are so many skills that I think at some point or as we are also moving, we are going to be able to be able to articulate more clearly. We are doing them in the creative field, which I think, well, coming from where I come from, just in Harare, and Harare is the capital city of Zimbabwe, you will see bits of creativity at almost every turn. Be it there's someone at the traffic light, be it the, we've got so many outdoor markets. Those are thriving markets and thriving hubs, right? Thriving creative hubs. But for some reason, it is still something that is greatly looked, you know, frowned upon. And people are like, oh no, like, why are you doing that? Why don't you do something else? But I, I think as we start to grow as well, our value is going to be definitely seen and acknowledged and absorbed because we are part of a creative economy. We are part of the greater economy. What do you think are some either major or minor barriers that people have to creativity? I would say it's access. It's something that you do have, but it's accessing it. Sometimes it's even innate within you. Sorry. And when I say access, again, speaking from a local context, it's only mandatory for you to do like, you know, creative subjects. Well, not, not mandatory. It's fun to do creative subjects in primary education. It's all creative. You get to high school and it's kind of like... Yeah, you know what? This is not cool anymore. Start planning for your life. So for us, it's access and not knowing who you can access within the space. And I'm hoping that that is what we are doing now as the you know new generation of older creatives, that the young creatives can come and they can ask the questions. We can openly talk about success. We can openly talk about failure. We can openly talk about our journey to inspire because growing up there was nobody you could go and ask there was no one that you'd be like listen I'm having this conversation with my parents about being in the creative field but they don't know creatives they know doctors and accountants and lawyers and but they don't know anyone in this field I am hoping that we are the people in the field that people can come to so I would say that's one of the biggest barriers to creativity no one has actually realized that there is a voice within the creative arts. Um, and I'm not just talking about fashion product, but also in performance, theater, poetry, written, um, written arts, visual arts. 
that we could actually solve a lot of problems um, just by communicating them in a different way. That I think could be a barrier when some of our governments cotton on and say, ah, these people are actually <laughs> saying something, right? But not verbally, they're saying it through their work. But I would say for now it's access. Access to even materials, just the basic things. It could be really, really tough um, to just start with in the field. But how is it that you have found a way to make access available for your communities? Or have you? Yes. I, I would say I would say I have what I'm trying. Um, I had to define access for myself. I, I tend to overthink. So my first thing was when I even started with a clothing brand, there's a certain sort of material I wanted to use, but it was expensive. And I just kept thinking, this is being brought in from somewhere. It's going through three hands. How much is it at source? So I went to look for the source, found where the source was. And then again, you know me, I was like, hey guys, if you want this fabric, you can go and get it here. But if you do not want to travel, you can speak to this person who can bring it in for you. But, um, you know, with the communities about localized sourcing, mm-hmm. I 100% believe in localized sourcing. So I only work with materials that you find locally when it's the high-end designs and things like linens and whatever. There are stores that I can go to in Zimbabwe that I know will provide it or bring it in. But everything that I try and do is something that I know that I can call someone up right now and be like, hey, are you able to go and get this fabric? And they know where it is. It's in walking distance. So it's all about localized supply, localized sourcing. Mm -hmm. With artisans, it's the same thing. The artisans in the community, mostly the basket weaving community, they use grasses called ilala. Um, They use grasses called and fibers called sisal which instead of them burning them when it's cultivating season, they can actually cut and use to make baskets. So that is where that comes from. So it's just saying, what can you use locally? My very first community in Zimbabwe, access to dyes was one thing. And I was like, well, we're not about importing things or getting you to go on two buses to get something. What was the traditional way of dyeing things? And then the lady spoke to me about dyeing using, you know, like bark pieces, dyeing using um, like aloe vera. And I was like, okay, this is what we're going to implement. But all the material is local. So for me, it's finding out where the source is and seeing how best that source can be accessed. But it's all about localized, um, localized supply and localized sourcing. Amazing. Okay, so I've got one question left for you. And then we're going to do the lightning round. This is a little surprise for you. <laughs> and okay. So the final question that I have for you is what helps you when you have got a creativity block? It's a natural process. Um, but again, for me, it's about discovery. So another thing is what I found I was terming creative blocks were just periods of rest. And I would kick and scream, guys. I would kick and scream. And I know my timetable. I know the timetable. And around the same time, every year, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm a total failure. There's nothing coming. I've got no work to do. (laughs) Until the third year into this whole, you know, system, I was like, hold on. You know that between the the months of March and May, there's nothing. So just rest. (laughs) 
saying just take it as rest and that always used to happen until I just started realizing that those moments of blocks it's moments to sit rest and take stock so I just rest I read books I I watch ratchet tv I'm really sorry <laughs> but you know I'm a sucker for reality tv <laughs> so, you know. but that's how I get over it and then I pace myself I write every day mm. I burn through journals like oh my gosh it's crazy but I write not just, you know, digital writing, but I like pen to paper writing and I will sit and I will just write. And when the moment is right or when the time comes, believe it or not, the next project comes, the next milestone comes. So now when I'm like, okay, this is a quiet time, it's time to rest and prepare for what's coming next. Such a lovely way of reframing what a creative block is because I've never heard somebody talk in that way before but actually that makes so much sense and actually rather than try and resist it like you were saying like try and finding mechanisms actually just giving in and listening to your body and say you need some time out is so important isn't it and I think as creatives I think sometimes we think that our creativity is always on tap and we forget that you've actually got to um, fill up your cup as well in order to be able to to keep being creative and also to be with other people as well it sounds like in your role and your work reader you you come across so many people that actually you probably do need that time just to be on your own and recharge as well most definitely and I think that is what maybe also helped me because you absorb you absorb everyone's problems. I then take, I'm like, okay, how are we, how are we going to solve this? <laughs> like, what are we going to do? But time to rest is very, very important. It really, really is. Before we uh, wrap up today, we've got a few quick fire questions for you. Don't worry, I'm not very strict or very quick at this. So um, <laughs> you can take your time. Um, but the first two are just finishing the sentence. So uh, if you could finish the sentence, creativity is? Life. And finishing the sentence, something that in is inspiring me now is? The birds. <laughs> oh. so yeah, sometimes it's something right in front of us, isn't it? Right. You know, right like I was, just, <laughs> I was just looking. I've been looking. I think I've got about six species of birds. So I always sit and I'm like, hey who are you and look at your life <laughs> thinking about a few different aspects or a few different kind of genres of art and creativity um and thinking about music if you had to listen to just one song on repeat what would it be wait on you by maverick city and if you could have one piece of artwork in your home what would it be <laughs> i need to describe this <laughs> And I always joke about it. It is one big painting. It is white and it has a dot. And that is the one piece of artwork I want in my house. That is going to be my conversation starter. <laughs> Blank and a black dot in the middle. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know who's going to make that. But it might just be me. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, can I, can I just interrupt the lightning round? Okay, so it, let's say that it's in your house, right? You've got this big white canvas with the black dot in it. What's the conversation that comes from it? That's it, exactly. You've just started it. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you imagined that in your house, Rudo? <laughs> you know, I've been playing with this idea for about 12 months. 
amazing I feel like you should make it happen I want to I want to see yeah what, what I like you just need to just get you a canvas yeah then you need to send us pictures of it <laughs> I think what I'll do next to it is have a guest book and make everyone write something such a little human human experiment of our reaction to art and what we think art is and yeah you should definitely do that I can't wait can't wait to hear how it goes and um, thinking now to a film, if you had to pick any film that represents your creative journey, what would it be? Oh, guys, I'm terrible with films. I always fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anybody respond like that. Or it could be a story, <laughs> maybe. Nothing. <laughs> You've just called me out. It's like the other day, someone's like, oh, there's this movie. I was like, listen. I don't want to lie to you. You'll be wasting your time because I'll sleep. <laughs> what about like a TV show? Like if you were to use your creative journey, as like if you were to pick a TV show or reality TV show of your creative journey, what do you think it would be? Judgment-free zone. It would have yes. to be the real Housewives of Potomac. It's just so explosive. <laughs> it's so explosive. That's an amazing answer. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, you just made my day. And also, you made me feel really good about all of the reality TV I watch. Because I love reality TV, but I refuse to admit that I love reality TV. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm so much more, like, cerebral than that. No, but yeah, no, no, man. No, no. I'm, I'm not that learned, guys. <laughs> I have a cutting point. <laughs> one final one for you. Um, if you were to inspire a young person or even your own younger self with a book, what would you gift them on their creative journey? Which book? The Alchemist. That's a good one. I remember somebody gave that to me when I was a young person and I, and they were like, read it. And I read it and I was like, this is not for me. And then I read it like 10 years later when I was going through a really difficult time. And I was like, okay, now it's for me. Yeah. It's the journey. Budo, this has been just oh. the, the absolute best conversation. Like we have loved learning about you, love learning about your creative practice. If people want to find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Instagram, LinkedIn, WhatsApp. I'm cool. <laughs> I don't mind. Well, I have all of your, um, what's it called? All of the I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I stalk you on pretty much every platform. So I'll make sure I'll put that in the show notes. But um, yeah, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. It's been so good just chatting with you and getting to know more about you and your creative practice and your creative communities. Thank you. You, you have made this a breeze and a blast. I was like, podcast, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies, and what a pleasure. And I hope to see you both very, very soon. Thank you for listening to Curious About Creativity. If you like what you heard today, please like, review, share, and subscribe. If you leave us a review, it helps more people find us. Big thanks to our guest today, Rudo Nando. Curious About Creativity is hosted by Steph Turner and Ashley Evenson. Music by Twins Music. Edited by Bex Devraj. Produced by Bex Devraj, Ashley Evenson, and Steph Turner. <laughs>